0: Friends, Welcome to the Creative Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Caldwell, and I'm so happy you're here. Each episode, I take some time to chat with fellow artists about life, faith, and the impact of the arts. I'm so excited you're here today, and I can't wait to introduce you to Frank Rodriguez, who is an experienced musician and guitar teacher, as well as the developer of Viela Guitars, Frank and I talk about how he first got into playing guitar, encouraged by the priest at his church. He then went on to study music and guitar at the High School of Performing and Visual Arts in Houston, Texas. He shares about his experiences playing at local clubs and shows and eventually moving to LA where he worked and toured as a guitarist for various artists and musicians and even worked as a musical director. He's worked with some of the best musicians in the country and performed in prestigious venues from the Greek Theater to Madison Square Garden. Frank eventually returned to his hometown of Houston and began teaching at his alma mater. He also has teaching experience at San Jacinto College as well as an international high school in his community. In 2012, he began teaching a guitar class for an inpatient drug rehab program for Memorial Hermann Hospital. Currently, Frank is working on making and marketing his own line of instruments that I mentioned at the beginning called Viela guitars. Here's a clip of Frank playing one of his original guitars.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Throughout our conversation, we get a chance to talk about his personal journey, including some of the highlights and the challenges of working in the music industry in LA, as well as his heart for teaching and the value of working in our own communities. One of my favorite parts was hearing how Frankenstrings and Viela Guitars got started and how interest in the guitars has picked up because of the pandemic. Not only does Frank have so much wisdom and experience to share, but he also is just a really kind and incredible person. I can't wait for you to get to hear his story. Enjoy my conversation with Frank Rodriguez. Welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you.
2: Thanks for having me here. I was really excited about it for sure. Yeah.
0: Well, Frank, it's super fun getting to talk more one-on-one. I know I've had the blessing of getting to see you here and there at different events, like at Riverpoint some, and then also I know the McCleskies do Sandy and Jeff. Oh, that park.
3: Yeah. Their
0: Christmas parties are so, so much fun. Do you want to just kind of introduce yourself to the listeners? Let, you know, a little bit about your family and kind of what you're up to right now.
2: Yeah. Well, my name is Frank Rodriguez and I'm a Really, I've been doing education for the past almost 25 years now.
1: Yeah,
2: and nice. so uh, it's been something I've done. And, of course, after the pandemic, things really changed. I was mm-hmm. mainly a, a consultant for the schools. And uh, so I would go in there. They call us adjunct faculty.
0: Oh,
3: yes. And
2: so, yeah, so I would go and do different things. Mainly, uh, I was doing a thing at a college and then a thing at an inner city school through HISD uh, in the mm-hmm. Houston Independent Fitness School District. And so I did that. And then I just started sort of going more into uh, still teaching, but I was doing more of the rehab drug rehab programs protocol. Yeah. Sort of but during that time, when I started teaching in inner city schools, I started developing instruments and doing different crazy things that I thought would work. Yes. Everybody always say, that's crazy. I don't know. I don't know about that. And <laughs> I even had manufacturers and people tell me, well, yeah, Frank, that's just the idea. That's so daunting. The fact that you might want to start a new little instrument type of uh,
3: right a
2: group of instruments. So that was pretty interesting. but the funny thing is I was using I was doing that while I was teaching at rehab
0: okay.
3: and while I was
2: what I was teaching at my inner city school. It was like okay. a middle through high school type of thing. gotcha, gotcha. yeah, and my parents right now, my parents are, My mom's 90 and my dad's 93. Wow,
0: that's so cool.
2: I mean, I I obviously I've been married for about 24 years now. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that I I mean, we're everything's good and we're all connected. But now I'm actually taking care of my parents. So I I wake up, I wake up early and I shoot out to my parents so I can make sure that they take their meds and and all that important stuff. And yes, and then, you know, take care of them. So I mean, my family life is good but it's sort of between here at home
1: in my Mm -hmm. shop
2: and then going to my, my parents and uh, my parents are from Mexico, from the Northern part of Mexico, like Monterrey area. Yeah. Yeah, And my dad was born in Laredo, Texas, which is just South of here. So little border town. Yeah. And so they're, uh, I grew up in that sort of environment, going to Mexico a lot. And yeah. doing stuff. so right now I'm, I'm reconnected with them because I'm with them again. <laughs> That's so
0: nice. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. it's a whole nother season, you know? Yeah. Getting...
2: It's, it's like we, I made this big 360. I said, oh, okay. I'm, okay. Here I am. I'm, I'm, uh, uh-huh. I'm, I'm here and I'm, hey, did you eat your, did you do this thing?
0: <laughs> Exactly. So, you the rolls kind
2: of flip a little bit. Yeah. It flipped over. <laughs> so it's pretty interesting. But meanwhile, I've been doing this, the music stuff. Right now, I, I had to, I had to resign from the HISD stuff. Yeah, really, because it was just too hard to do remotely. And every, you know, it's very confusing right now for a of people. Is. Yeah, it's really tough. I really feel for all my, uh, my colleagues that are out in different districts, because like, I deal with people all over the country. And That's then once true. my, yeah, and once my instruments sort of uh, launched in October, now it's all over I deal with people all over from Germany to Australia to uh Canada. I mean it's just people have reached out, which is really cool
0: that is so cool
2: it's a good it's a good deal yes, oh,
0: yeah. and that's neat that you're kind of connected globally right now in the midst of all that's going on you know you're kind of getting that perspective from so many different places in the world so
2: right and there's people that have already obviously educators have done this for a long time, but it's been more i have to say probably more. Pop-oriented musicians, mm-hmm. people that have a big fan bases, people know them for maybe a hitch they had and stuff. Yeah. So it's really interesting because they have been doing this for over ten years now. Okay, some of some of them have a very established uh, following, subscribers, and all that. But the funny thing is that education has never followed that particular trend.
0: Interesting. And yeah. now
2: it's now education is like lagging behind. So I'm telling the people really look into these particular people because they're really they have it down. They understand obviously the video part and they understand right. they understand what it is to put things together and just reach out to people through through online. And so they have like a 10, 12 year jump on everybody.
0: That's true. That's good to get like, you know, listen to those people and get advice from them. You know, people that have that experience. And exactly.
2: yeah. yes, and, but that's the way of the future. Me and an educator were talking about it yesterday and goes, we, those, those that are not catching on to this, it's going to be a tough thing for traditional educators, I think, you know?
0: Yes, I agree. I agree. It's a lot of change, (laughs) a lot of change for people really fast. So, well, so good to just hear a little bit about what you're up to right now. And I'm excited to hear more about your business and creating the instruments a little bit later in our conversation. Yes, definitely. but I'd love to hear, you know, what first got you into music and playing the guitar. First of all,
2: I guess first my mom was always into. She loved music, you know, the whole yeah. thing of the. She loved these, uh, you know, the sound of music. She liked people like Benny Goodman, Glenn Miller, and yes. so the music part of it was that. That's where I really mm-hmm. once started listening to the music she listened to around the house and then traditional Mexican music, you know. Yes. So. That was like, so it was a real a cross between, you know, I would say, since you listened to Benny Goodman, obviously it was jazz oriented. Mm-hmm. And then, but the traditional stuff was mariachi music, those boleros, mm-hmm. which is like a really interesting, uh, there's a thing called danzones. It's just very popular out of Mexico. So
3: okay, that, cool.
2: listen, listening to that, and the funny thing is, it was the priest at my church that got me, once he started listening to me play, he goes, hmm, I think you... You sort of understand this.
0: That's really neat. Yeah, yeah so I, a
2: lot of the stuff I did in the first things where I did were, I I can't say to play in church like the mass. I wasn't doing the mass, but I was just playing for special events. He would say, "You think you can accompany me for a whole Holy Night?" I said, "Sure, I can Aww. do that." And so I would do those kind of things where it was probably more a little bit on the more on the classical side because mm-hmm. I was starting to read music. He helped me really start to understand that particular part of it so yeah. it was through through his name was father kennedy and father kennedy would eva and i was an altar boy i was an yeah, altar boy yeah. My t- <laughs> uh-huh. so, so i did this that uh, so after i would do the first two masses I would ask father, father, can I go up there and practice on your guitar? Because he had he had a beautiful Spanish guitar. Oh, so nice. that's what that's where I got into the guitar part mm-hmm. of it.
0: About how old were you then?
2: I was about nine years old. Okay. Eight or nine years old. Yeah. So I started right around then, but he's the one that really created that uh, environment for me to learn. Mm-hmm. And he played pretty well. He, he understood. Later on, I found that my teacher was his teacher, like 15 15 (gasps) or 20 years earlier. He had studied with the same person. Okay. So I thought I cracked up once I found out (laughs) that we were like, oh gosh, you had the same teacher.
0: That's so funny.
2: But uh, once I got into guitar, I mean, he's the one that sort of set the things up. Mm -hmm. And uh, then my dad sort of said, well, if you're going to do this, then you're going to have to learn music. Yes. And in Spanish, he said, la nota. You have to understand la nota, which means Mm -hmm. the note. You have to understand the note. That means you, there has to be a foundation. Right. To me, that was very important. And for him, it was very important. And especially for me, because I wanted to continue doing it, you know. (laughs) And so finally, uh, a lot of my friends were doing, uh, they were going to performing arts, HSPBA, which is a school here in Houston for... uh, sort of gifted and talented and i'm really i didn't feel was a gifted and talented person Uh i was just very uh very stubborn i really (laughs) i was very patient with learning but i didn't have that some of that talent
0: yeah it was more the work ethic like i'm gonna stick with this and
2: i'm gonna keep doing it and next thing you know i want to say at that time they only accepted maybe two or three guitars wow okay so So it's pretty
0: tough. tough yeah competitive
2: yeah, it was a performing arts is like, it's a public school, but if there's auditions, you have to audition, and okay. then you have to go back, and then they, I was, yeah, my audition went all right. I I think I played like Stairway to Heaven, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but but at that time, Stairway to Heaven was brand new, you know, now oh, it's yeah.
1: like,
2: yeah, right there, it was a, like early, mid-70s, it was a fairly new song, and then, uh, but I, when he gave me the music, because it was jazz-oriented, I really mm-hmm. couldn't... I just didn't know about it. And then the guy looked at me, he goes, well, seems like you can play a little bit, but you really don't know how to read the music. Uh-huh. So I'm going to re-audition you. Uh, he said, first here, here's these names of these people Let's go and make it some lessons from, and let's re, re-audition. So I re-auditioned okay. like almost uh, four months later. Gotcha. And then so I went ahead and studied hard practice in the, in the Houston Heat in the garage on the back oh, of my house
0: oh man that that houston heat is no joke I mean, yeah
2: yeah yeah so uh, i was in i was in this houston humidity in the back but i wanted to learn it so much so i would take trumpet books all kind of books music or piano books and whatever and i was learning i had a good teacher then i went back to re-audition about three months later he
1: mm-hmm.
2: goes he goes listen to it. And he, okay here's a play this for me he goes okay well you're still not reading that good, but it's a little better. So I'm going to, I'm going to accept you. But it, so I'm going to accept you, but it'd be a trial basis. So I got accepted on a trial basis. And next thing I know, he said, "Uh, we're just going to have to review you every two or three months. I have to go through a review. Wow. And so it was, well, that kept me going. That really put me yeah it puts up. the
0: fire into you kind of like, <laughs>
2: yeah. it had to really had to be something uh, that I, I was held accountable for, for learning all these things. And, and okay. at, at that time, I had to keep two teachers, one which was, was a jazz teacher and one was a classical teacher. Okay. So that's the only way I, I was allowed to stay in school. Gotcha. And then, so finally at the end, I was sort of pretty, I could read pretty well. I was reading well. And, and in those days, we're talking about mid seventies, okay. you know, early seventies, mid seventies, uh, people would hire local musicians to work with artists. So if they like share Sonny and Cher came to, the, the yeah. rodeo to do uh-huh. a, a performance they would hire musicians uh-huh. and they would they would come in with their they would come in with the rhythm section and or and their, no I'm sorry uh, they would come in with their musical director okay and they, and they would hire drummers guitarists bass players cool and, and, and the circus did that ice Capace did that rodeo did that so like what it is now like when you hear all these things at the rodeo were where all these you know rascal flack and all these artists come in to do their performance uh-huh. and they bring in their band that's not the way it was in the 70s 60s and 70s wasn't that way so they would and then they started hiring kids from the school too
0: oh that's a, such a cool yeah. opportunity
2: yeah so we because we were because we already knew a little bit of the hips the little sounds we had our wow wow pedals or we, uh-huh. had our, <laughs> we had effects so we had little things that we did so and fun. then so we got to do. I got to do some shows. I didn't do the rodeo. Oh, another mm-hmm. friend of mine did the rodeo and stuff like that. But I would do like shows at the Celebrity Theater, which is now I think it's called the Arena Theater, okay, here at Houston. And so I there I played with like people like Tara Mason. I did a thing with Bob Hope when mm-hmm. Bob Hope was yeah. doing his his uh, seventy five. He was he turned seventy five years old.
3: Okay, so yeah. they needed a,
2: they needed a guitarist for about two or three weeks. So I I did the that little particular job there for two or three weeks so that was sort of cool I that him. is and so when my dad saw me do that said, oh you see him you see what he's up because they they actually they were it was on tv so it oh, was on tv man. they uh, ended up saying oh well bob hope is here for his 75th birthday uh anniversary tour or show and then they they had a little quick little flash of all the musicians setting up and my dad saw me he goes oh Look, there he is. <laughs> Aww, he's like,
0: okay, he's doing this.
2: Like yeah, so he, I guess he's doing it. Yeah. So at the end of the day, that was a confirmation for that hey, well, he's you know, this is serious about it. So right. And I got good with reading. So next thing I know, that was a, a nice thing, you know. Yeah. To be able to do that.
0: For sure. So where did you know life take you after high school?
2: After high school, I did get a, a little um I got a scholarship for Alvin Community College, which is just okay. close to close to here, to Houston. And I, I only got like an associate's, you know. So I didn't really. Yeah. But I was just I was just realizing, you know, I wasn't going to do that. I was just going to sort of play and study with that classical teacher that mm-hmm. I was that I was working with, and and he was great. He was a great kooky old guy, <laughs> and he was at, he was probably in his eighties. And I, you know, and the drag about it was. Oh, my prom night. He passed away. He died. Aww. So I was really, yeah, I was thinking of really trying to stay with him because I knew he wasn't going to be around very much longer. He was.
1: Yeah.
2: So I ended up my senior year. It was crazy. I couldn't figure out where to go, and mm-hmm. I did have that little scholarship for Alvin, so I went there. But I was trying to get to North Texas. I was trying okay. to study with. They had a great program there, and 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 it ended up not. Uh, they couldn't let me in because it was too late in the year. Mm. So that's why I ended up going to Alvin. But I kept on wanting to go back. And I said, well, can I go? No, I'm sorry. It's all full. We we're only letting five people come in to the program. And wow. then so I, I went to SMU. I tried to go to SMU to study with another guy who's really Bob Guthrie, great guitarist, mm-hmm. Cla- more, more classical. But yeah. uh, he was busy too. He said, no, I'm all full. And then finally, uh, I went to a program in San Antonio. Oh, okay. They were making a program which was a, equivalent to uh, the Guitar Institute of Technology. There was one in California. Oh. And they and they, and they, this, they decided to build, to have one here in, in Texas. And it was being led by a great guitarist, Jackie King, and a guy named Herb Ellis, a great, great pioneer. Okay. Especially Herb is very well known.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh,
2: at the end of the day, I said, okay, this will be cool. I'll do that. So I went there and I took I was already writing music so I was already doing little things so mm-hmm. I took my scores and they thought oh yeah this looks really good and so I hung, I went ahead and enrolled and it was sort of a pricey at that time we're talking like 1978 or so
1: mm-hmm.
2: it, it cost about $2000 oh, yeah <laughs> and
0: at the time that would be a lot of money for sure yeah
2: yeah that would feel yeah. like especially for like just like a guitar, like a guitar type of thing you know yeah so uh, I went to the school and then I could I realized that a lot of the people were more like pop musicians, rock and rollers, which is great. You know, they're nothing, you know, don't get me wrong, yeah. great great players. But I always I was already doing more jazz things and more a little bit on the classical. And so next thing I know, they they bring in a rhythm section to play with the kids. And I already knew lots of songs. So I would call it a song, and and then they started realizing, oh, this guy already plays. That's sort of cool, you know. The, yeah. So the school the school was happy to have me, but then they asked me, we see you read really well and you you know all this music. Uh, do you think you might help the other kids that are quite not ready for this oh, kind of stuff? Oh, yeah. And, and so I would have been sort of like a little bit on uh, like a student teacher, faculty. Yeah. The, and then I said, no, I don't think I want to do that, but I think I want my money back That's what I told them. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't want to teach at that point, even though I yeah. liked it. I didn't want to teach. I Mm -hmm. wanted to learn. And then so uh, they gave me everything but 50 bucks back. Oh, that's
3: pretty good.
2: I did did good. I went back to Dallas to try to get into North Texas. And he saw me again. This was already for the third time. He goes, no, uh, Frank, you know, I I just I can't take right now. We just, you know, you're sort of late again. You can't. So it was just like timing thing. Yeah. He He said, but here's this guy in Los Angeles in L.A. He's a great, great teacher. Mm-hmm. He's a great studio guy and he knows everything I know I said okay so I left that was and that was like in 78
0: okay that so that's when you made the move
2: that's when I made the move to Los okay. Angeles so it was like but it was I really was trying to stay here Rachel yeah. <laughs> you're like
0: you were pretty persistent too like I'm gonna keep trying you know yeah,
2: I I tried and I and then after a while it just said no I just so it wasn't really like oh I felt like I needed to go to LA to mm-hmm.
0: it was kind of like After the other things, the door is closed. It's like, okay, well, I guess this is where I'm going.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So at the end of the day, I said, okay, we'll go. It was tough because nobody in my family, you know, Hispanic families don't really, we stay pretty close. You know, we don't really, so for me to leave, my grandmother cried, you know, like she was in her 90s and she cried and I'm going like, I've never seen my grandma cry. But I was I was the first, one of the first grandkids to just sort of like, I'm out of here, you know.
0: Okay, yeah.
2: It was a little tough.
0: Yeah, that would be hard.
2: And my dad cried too. It was really funky, yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. so I was the next thing, and like late seventies, I was in Los Angeles. So.
0: Okay, what did that look like? Your time in in L. A.
2: Well, you know, once I got connected there, first was just trying to get settled because mm-hmm. the first, one of the first places we lived was right in Hollywood. And even yeah. though it was, it was the '70s, it's it's pretty bad right now. California, it's pretty pretty sad. You know, lots of homeless, you know, yeah. homeless situation is bad. And and then it was still sort of rough. You know, it was like great. Mm-hmm. I live I live more on the east side of Hollywood, so that was nice. But it, after a while, I just uh, that two thousand dollars that I had <laughs> really really left real quick and really. I bet... yeah. Yeah. So, yeah uh,
0: it's expensive to live there too. I'm sure
2: it's expensive. And I lived with a friend for a little bit. And then finally, I, I got a job working at a at a warehouse of my uh, health place for a little bit. Okay. Until I started looking around for gigs, I ended up did contact my teacher. So we just had to have to set up something to really mm-hmm. start doing, doing steady uh, lessons. But first, I had to get established. And so so I started working there. And then I got a call from a a person that I knew that I was in enta- town. I was sitting in too, you know. Yeah. In those days, you could go in there and, hey, man, can I sit in? And so you would sit in in different situations. Oh, cool! And kind
0: band. of networking almost, like you're getting yeah. to know people. And- yeah. And
2: mm-hmm. they would let you do that. I would, I would call and say, hey, well, I hear you're you're working such and such place. Can I, you know, can I sit in? Oh yeah, come on in. So they'd like nice. play a song. So that was a sort of interesting. It was a nice thing. That was definitely. It was still that sort of 50s, 60s things where people were playing together, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, and there was a lot of activity in Los Angeles. So that person that I sat in with, he remembered me six months later, he fired his piano player. okay, so so that gave me the opportunity to go in there and work with him. And I ended up working with him for about four years, four or five years. Nice. yeah and he and he played like steady gigs and mainly in, in downtown l a you know, like mm-hmm. are you familiar with Los Angeles?
0: I've been there some, but not recently. Yeah. more of my growing up years, so
2: yeah, it was I, I we would play like off- Broadway, which is not like in New York off Broadway. yeah, <laughs> but it was downtown l a. so there were some theaters, and it was pretty interesting. It was still still vibrant, still club. Yeah. Still. Yeah. So and he, so he wrote a lot. He was a great arranger, great writer. Mm-hmm. And he kept me employed. And then once I got the employment, I kept both jobs for a little bit, you know, like the factory job. Yeah. But then I was starting to get sick. Cause I was coming home at two or three in the morning and then waking up at six. Yeah, work. your body's
0: like, I can't handle this. <laughs> yeah, e-
2: even though I was young, it was still tough. And I was starting to get sick. I wasn't getting enough sleep. And so mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I ended up, uh, I'm saying, well, I'm getting rid of this factory job. <laughs>
0: yes, you're like, okay, I can sustain it. Or, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, I can do it. it.
2: And then so next thing I know, I'm I'm doing that. And it was great. Because the thing is, I could read. So yeah, once those particular jobs started to, when he started getting less work, I would go somewhere else. And okay. I started doing almost the same thing that I did here, which was shows.
1: Mm-hmm. I would do
2: like, in LA there's a thing called cabaret. I know in Texas cabaret is a total different thing. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and and in Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York, Chicago, cabaret is where you back up artists that are doing standard music, standard repertoire. Okay. From Gershwin to all, you know, any standard kind of music, you know, Victor Young, you're doing music mm-hmm. by uh you know occasionally you do a beatle song that kind of thing yeah but but uh, but basically these particular clubs would hire musicians to back up their artists okay or there would be a director and a director would hire musicians to back up his artists or whatever mm-hmm. so i did a lot of that i did tons of that lots of uh and it was sort of more like demo it still wasn't the the primo work it wasn't like working for like doing the, you know, dates for like people like Lionel Richie or I wasn't, you Mm -hmm. know, but the funny thing is that all those groups of people, when they weren't working with Lionel Richie or weren't working with Donna Summers, they were working with us.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah.
2: It's really funny because it was just like, it's sort of a fine line of, of who does some particular gigs.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
2: And then there's that other fine line of who does the recordings okay yes but you know it's in all of those guys are great it's just the fact you're the right place at the right time and yeah somebody yeah so it's, it's connections various.
0: and yeah who yeah. you know kind of thing
2: yeah and so and it ended up yeah I worked for people like Johnny Ray who was like a, a big artist back in the 50s I did a thing for Mamie Van Doren which I just found online uh-huh. recently <laughs> oh cool yeah something we did in the early 80s and sure and she was a big like more like a be actress, but she okay. would part. So I just did work for people like that, uh comedians that would come into town. Mm-hmm. So it was like a just a mixture of a lot of work, but it was the same thing. It was like you come in hardly any rehearsal, and I say, okay. like, hey, you know, I got this thing going. Can you come and do it? I said, yeah, and and lots of times I would say because I already knew who all the, the hot the great cats were in town. Uh-huh. And, yeah, they were like I I knew okay I know that oh that you usually use this guy and I sort of. The names are like you know great players like Grant Geisman, who are great performers, great guitarists. Paul mm-hmm. Verhayan, I know all these. And then I would ask the director, it's a pretty interesting. You're in this, and it's a very last minute call. I don't mind the call. I love it that you're that you're calling me to do this. But who couldn't do it? <laughs> <laughs> who, who said no? And then I got
0: yeah. to do it. Yeah. <laughs> who,
2: who said no? It says, "Oh well." They said uh, and one thing it was Phil Love Church couldn't do it. Phil Upchurch was doing and Phil Love Church did all this stuff for like for Motown.
3: Oh wow.
2: It was this guitar that would work for people like George Benson. George Benson mm-hmm. would hire. So all of a sudden it's okay, but well, that was cool. That's cool. So yeah. I'm, I'm subbing for Phil Love Church. But it was that kind of thing where you it is pretty intense. You really gotta be ready. And it's a lot. pretty
0: of, competitive, you know. Oh, it, it is. Everyone's yeah. kind of. Trying to get in for same jobs,
2: you know. So, and it's, you know, the only thing that at that time people were still making money doing demos. Okay. So people people could actually go in there and do, you know, like you say uh, I remember getting these calls. Oh well, I got this great song, and uh, a friend of mine—it's the gardener for Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> and so and so and and uh, I'm I'm going to give it to him. And he's gonna to try to give it to Michael. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. And I go whoa, but so, it, so they, were, they would basically be called, you know, like just demo tapes for music okay. for songs. Yeah. So I did. I did tons of that. It was. Uh, That's so fun. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. It was really interesting, and it was, and it was just great practice, you know, great mm-hmm. practice to do that, you know.
0: And any challenges that you feel like were a part of the music industry, you know, during your time in LA.
2: Oh yeah. 80s was it's sort of funny. I look back at it and 80s was very, that's uh, more like 60s, you know, okay. as far as the drugs, you know, the amount of drugs. Yeah. I mean, there's still lots of drugs now too, but I think you have a, a bigger group of artists that are more aware mm-hmm. of those things. And if you have a good management, then you they can sort of steer you away or,
1: yeah. or if you have a,
2: a good group of, I think there's a good group of artists and musicians <laughs> that say, no, man, this... gotta stay straight you gotta Uh and I think I think in the 80s everybody was doing stuff okay sort of like the 60s everybody was Mm -hmm. (laughs) everybody and uh, the funny thing I lived there in the 80s and I did all these different gigs I would work at places like Gazzari's the troubadour in LA okay and so they're really known for the rock you know the really heavy metal especially Gazzari's Gazzari's was a very that's where people like van halen played and okay. stuff like that yeah but i did showcase stuff there for different artists and those 80s everybody was was taking drugs but mm. i wasn't part wasn't part of my life you know wasn't yeah. part of what i was doing cuz i wanted to be straight i wanted to make sure and i would see people i would see them sort of wander off and
1: mm-hmm. and
2: they that's always scary cuz it, it i wasn't scared that i would get into it i was just scared what would happen to that person? Yeah.
0: Like and it, how is that going to affect their career or their life? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Their life. And, and, and the, and sometimes it just happens just because they're not getting a fair shake at the mm-hmm. industry. And it that was a real sad part of it. I would see particular artists that would almost, you know, just uh, crumble and just give into things. And which is sad because they felt, you know, they had to do this to be, mm-hmm. to do something else at the end of the day. You know, I stayed clear from it. But then I did end up becoming a musical director for an artist. And Mm -hmm. for her, I got called mainly as a rhythm guitarist. That's what happened. And -hmm. then all of a sudden, she fired her whole band the following year. And then they asked me, do you think you can lead the band? And I go, yeah, I can. Can you write music? I said, yeah, I can write music. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And and even though I didn't write all the time, I, I said yes. You know, cause yeah. you never, you never say no. I said, uh-huh. well, I yeah. no. To those so opportunities. I just, I just, yeah. Yeah. So I said, no, yeah, yeah I can, I can write. I, I've been doing it all, all, you know, all my life type of thing. And so I became her musical director and this was in the eighties. Sort of yeah. in the middle of the eighties. And uh, she was just involved in other stuff, you know?
0: Okay. And yeah. I think
2: at the end of the day, I was, I I feel bad because she was my boss. This person was my, my boss, but I just so busy Dealing with the music part of it, mm-hmm. the production part of it that I just didn't mm, I didn't say, OK, no, can't do this. You know, yeah. you shouldn't be there. And I was older. I was definitely an older. I was about eight years older than her,
1: mm-hmm. and, oh,
2: that person. <laughs> so next thing I know, it really took control of that person's life.
1: Oh, wow. And so yeah. their
2: career never. I mean, they still sold millions and millions of records. She did great and they still love her. You know, people she's a definitely I guess iconic so she has that mm-hmm. that following but it would be times or you know a friend of mine shot me a um, a video of, of that artist Amy Winehouse oh yeah yeah so sounds it right. was Amy yeah Amy Winehouse and then my friend shot it to me and I looked at it and it was just like a throwback to some of our gigs interesting yeah, yeah. The, I'm looking at it and you know with this artist I traveled you know, I traveled all over the, the States from, I mean, with her, I got to work and I was blessed. I mean, I, you know, I was able to do good things with, with this artist. I would play like the Greek theater in L.A. with her yeah. or we would do stuff. We did a stuff in Madison Square Garden. Oh, cool. We did great things in uh, South America, Central America. I went to the Caribe with her, Dominican Republic. I would yeah. do, uh, you know, we did a lot of great gigs. And so, but I just could not be that big brother that I should have been mm. that always weighs heavy on me that I I couldn't say hey you know you really need this, this stop this you know
1: yeah
2: and uh I don't know why I don't know why I couldn't do it because I could do it now mm-hmm. <laughs> it does seem I
0: mean that would be intimidating I feel like or hard to hard to yeah. do
2: yeah and it's just a, it was tough I should have been able to and then at the end it it was interesting to sort of be in that where you're climbing up and you're doing good you're playing all these great venues our agent Mm -hmm. was was with william morris and he was a great great agent yeah and so next thing i know but still things weren't going right so yeah
0: kind of selling it saw it fall apart a
2: little bit yeah and then i we our big fallout was in madison square garden in new york in the back it it was sort of interesting because it was in the back of the uh the venue and we we had a big fight. I said, "Oh, how cla- oh. how good! That was a nice big fight in in New York, where all the big boxing matches were." Right, <laughs> right. Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, yeah. And, <laughs> and I think I, I think I was Joe Frazier that night. Gotcha. I, <laughs> so. Uh, oh,
0: that's great. Yeah. Well, that Frazier. actually. You know, transitions pretty well into just your heart for teaching, and now what you're doing with some of the, you know, inpatient rehab for, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, people that are dealing with drug addiction. You know, would you like to share a little bit more about, you know, how you got into that, and then, you know, what what that looks like?
2: Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, the teaching came from coming back from L.A., coming back to Texas, and I I thought in in my brain I had a, a great idea that I was going to do this this great project and set the world on fire and it just didn't happen you okay know? yeah yeah I just it didn't so I tried really hard and and it was just timing too I mean mm-hmm. I, I should I should have been probably with that idea right from the start and I didn't but it's all right I mean I I still
1: mm-hmm.
2: I you know <laughs> I did the best I could you know yes and then so once once I stopped doing trying to become this, this rock star person, I uh, ended up, I uh, said, well, let me just teach. I think teaching would be cool. And yeah. the funny thing is I did start teaching and performing arts. So I became where I, where I actually studied.
0: Yes, you came back home kind of. Yeah. to. The, uh, uh-huh.
2: Yeah, where I ended up coming home and doing stuff there where I actually was probably more comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Even though I was called director of rhythm section, I would just let these kids play, you know, I would just yeah. um no, it's a little too fast. Go maybe do the melody again, but let's slow it down. And I would, so I was just sort of giving kids advice. I wouldn't mm-hmm. really play much. I would just sort of explain what I needed to to hear more of. The time I was there uh, was like in 94. Okay. So I started, I came back, I came back from Los Angeles right around 91, 92. Mm-hmm. So I just started jobbing a little bit. I did have a little... I did a little Tex-Mex gig for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't really, you know, even though I loved her, she was a great artist. I was in, my heart was in there. Yeah. I understood the style and I already had done it. But I was, it was just something that sort of carried me over to other stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. So once
2: once I stopped doing all the touring type of stuff in 94, that's when I started teaching. And I went back to, yeah. my, to my school and I was directing, mainly these already talented kids.
1: So mm-hmm.
2: at the time I was there, I think like two years later, Beyonce was there, Destiny's Child was there. Wow. People yeah. like Blue October, uh great jazz pianist Jason Moran was at the school, Robert Clasper, Mike Modena. This I mean. Wow. All,
0: it's been pretty incredible, all the people that have come through that school. That yeah. school has
2: applied a lot of people and uh and it still does. You know, there's still mm-hmm. people that that get, uh, go out of there. Well they were my students. There were some of them were like I have at least a handful of uh, Grammy winners, which is sort of interesting. That's so
0: cool. Yeah. It's, that's it's fun. I'm sure fun to see, you know, just them living life and, you know, oh, doing and, these and, great and, things.
2: And I'll see them. I'll see them because I still go to L.A. a lot. You know, yeah. I'll, be there, I'll be there in a few weeks. And the funny thing is that I'll see them out there. How you doing? And so that was part of my education. I was actually – but I didn't feel I was really, like, teaching them guitar or I was yeah. teaching them – I wasn't doing the – um the real deal. And
1: mm-hmm.
2: then I, they called me to do a thing at Pasadena at the St. Jack College. Yeah. Central Campus, which has okay. a really good program. Mainly, those, it has a real strong audio program. Mm-hmm. And so the next thing I know, I'm doing a college class. So I'm doing, teach. I have a small studio there. And then I'm teaching a big guitar class. So now I'm feeling a little more like I'm doing I'm teaching people I'm explaining what I did and how I do this Mm -hmm. more the fundamentals and the fundamentals the basics and all that good stuff and next thing I know a principal assistant principal that was at performing arts had got his own school
1: okay
2: it was at Sharpstown it was a inner city Sharpstown it's sort of a as a you know unfortunately a bad reputation but we were there on the main campus and he was mm-hmm. starting a magnet school. Okay. It was going to be an international study school. Cool. And he, he he knew I played a little funny instrument, a thing called a charango, which is here. Uh-huh. I don't know if you can see it. So it's a little, yeah. it's a, it's a strange little instrument, but so it has a definitely a different sound. And yeah. so, and since he was doing international studies, he wanted me to take I want you to, to teach that. I said, Oh, shoot. Okay, I'll do it. Uh-huh. So I, and it brought me back. It brought me into my neighborhood, actually.
1: Oh, wow. you know? So yeah. it brought me
2: into my neighborhood. And that's where it was blocks from my house.
1: Mm-hmm. To
2: me, that's a really cool feeling that I'm
1: yes. in my house.
2: And then I'll see my kids at the store, at the H&B, Yeah, totally. the
0: really a part of the community. Yeah. So that yeah. was all.
2: I love that part of it, you know. And uh, so I was going to teach that. And we were basically on that campus. And then finally, once they started getting like the juniors in and the sophomores in, then we had to move to the middle school campus, which was still not too far away, but it then became more of a guitar program. So I started because nobody wanted to play this little instrument. They were just (laughs) like, everybody wanted to play guitar, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: So so everybody wants to rock out. The funny thing is that uh, I ended up using the charango a little bit, but just started focusing more on on guitar. Once Mm -hmm. I started that, Guitar program, that's where everything sort of say, oh, okay, that's this feels this feels good, you know.
0: Nice, kind of getting in the like, yeah, your sweet spot, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So something that I sort of felt like I I could do this, I can help out, you know. Yeah. Father Father Kennedy helped me out, so now I'm sort of giving it back, you know. Uh huh. And then uh, I saw so I, I started working there. It's all inner city, and it's all pretty tough, you know, with the kids. You know, yeah. the stories are like incredible, you know. And so, Mm -hmm. and then the the irony is that then uh, my young son got involved in in drugs.
1: Mm, And so that's
2: where, you know, that's where the uh, addiction, that's where I started going into those programs. But I wasn't planning to. Yeah, I I think anything that I've done, I didn't really plan here. It just sort of started, (laughs) it just sort of happened. Isn't that so true though? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, even like stuff at the schools, when they asked me to teach at, at performing arts, I didn't go I went there just to see if I can pick up some private students
1: mm-hmm. and I said, oh,
2: I got this, I got this class you can teach. And I said, oh, okay. The yeah. same thing at the college. I said, Oh, well, so-and-so left. Are you interested? Yeah.
0: Just like came to you almost. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I was let things like that happen. And mm-hmm. so things like that. And I just would sort of like get into it and, and uh, make it work, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. And next thing
2: I know as my son's getting involved and stuff, he goes into like an inpatient program, Okay. And so I en- ended up having to be, um, you know, really, really involved, trying to see what's the deal, what's wrong. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and how did I mess you up, kid? Aww, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it was really tough. And it's my stepson. He was my he was my baby. So he was like maybe 16 at the time, 17. Yeah. And the next next thing I know, uh, one of the directors saw me sitting there waiting for my son to be out of this meeting and he saw me because I had my boots. I, I always wear a hat, too. I wear this, like, fedora hat I wore. Yeah.
1: And,
2: and so I, I wear this hat. And he goes, what do you do? And I said, oh, you know, uh, I teach guitar performing arts. I do a thing at, at a college. And I also teach at a inner city school. Oh, you teach guitar? He goes, yeah, I teach guitar. He goes, we need a guitar program here. I go, no. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to work with a bunch of addicts. I'm sorry, you know. Uh And and then uh, next thing I know, my son gets out of the program and then my, my older son gets in trouble. And so he gets in trouble and he's looking at a real bad scene, you know, it's bad.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Not his fault as far as what he was being charged with, but his fault for being so careless.
1: Mm, and so now
2: almost five or six months later I'm at the same place waiting for my son (laughs) and and the and that director walks again almost it was almost like clockwork he was Uh like he sees me and I'm going he said I was thinking of you the other day and I'm going I was thinking of you too He said, you want to do it and I said yeah let's do it nice so, so all of a sudden everything sort of came through that and I had a friend, a dear, dear friend of mine, who right before I admitted my oldest son into the program, had just committed suicide.
1: Oh wow! And so, yeah. and it was,
2: in, he wasn't involved in drugs,
1: mm-hmm. but he was,
2: he was in lots of pain, yeah. and so the, the the pain part of it, which is really lots of why people do drugs. You that know? makes
0: sense. Yeah, because you're trying to find something to make you feel better, or yeah. numb it or whatever. Yeah,
2: yeah. And, and even if it's just emotional pain. Mm-hmm. you know but his was a pain because uh, he was a great great musician he was and his name was bob birch and he was he worked with elton john for years him and oh, i worked yeah. him and i worked with together for years in in la and he was one of my number one bass players i would use
1: yeah
2: but he it's unfortunately about a year or two after he started working with elton he got hurt oh. and that he got hit by a truck in canada
3: Oh wow!
2: And so he broke his legs, and it, and then, it, but it really damaged his back. Yeah, it was the back damage that created basically all the problems. And next thing I know, he's just trying to feel better. He's trying mm-hmm. not to hurt. And so at the end, I don't think he was—he wasn't an addict or key because he was a smarter guy than that. You know, he mm-hmm. knew to stay away. But at the end of the day, he just couldn't take it anymore.
1: Wow. Couldn't take,
2: take pain. So the 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 week I admitted my son into the program. did that so uh once i got to hang out with his wife afterwards i flew up to la just to talk with her a bit and she said no frank because we were always worried that you know he sort of like was retreating from us a bit yeah but it was really the pain Mm
1: -hmm. and then so
2: uh and so i talked to her about a lot of things and we uh ended up you know i got a lot of closure out of it but Mm -hmm. it also just confirmed the fact when i told her i was doing this rehab thing she goes, oh, that's so great. Bob would love that.
3: Yeah. And,
2: and so at the end of the day, that made me, that gave me that feeling that, you know, that confirmation, you know, yes. that, uh, that I was doing something. And, and he gave me the funny thing as I wear these boots occasionally that, that belong to Bob. And so, and so I wear them. And, I, and sometimes I alternate because I, I use boots. And lots of times I take them to these programs. And so sometimes I share the story, you know, yeah. it just depends how I feel.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I've been doing it almost 10 years now.
1: That's so, incredible. Yeah. So
2: it's really cool. And it's a very nice kind of thing to where I can, you know, it's just, it is a 360, you know, mm-hmm. I made this thing and it's been great. But during all this time, you know, it's, I never thought I would be doing anything like it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, it came. Yeah. Just sort of naturally progressed
2: into that. Yeah, and it and I do it as a, as a lesson I don't do it mm-hmm. like oh let's jam we want to jam on a song let's do okay right. yeah let's do a, a free bird free bird you know it's not <laughs> we don't do we I gave them a lesson I said no this is how you hold it and so I explain everything mm-hmm. and i'm I'm in the process I was writing a book earlier about two years ago mm-hmm. but I'm actually changing the format to sort of work more for those programs
1: nice
2: I got all the fundamentals down I got all the rudiment stuff. I'm not going to change that. I'm just changing a couple of things. So it could be more for a beginner, you know, Mm -hmm. and for people that might want to do it and really understand the basics, you know.
0: That makes sense. Yeah, that's so cool. And, you know, do you have any specific stories or how have you seen, you know, music just impact people's lives, whether in that program or through your teaching at, you know, high school or
2: wherever you want to go with it? Well, (laughs) the the funny thing is because I'll have these. Through performing arts, I have these great artists, you know, Mm -hmm. so they're working with people like Danny Elfman or Tim Burton because they're great composers. So I have a couple that are doing that and I could see little things because now we've reconnected. Yeah. And I always wonder, (laughs) I always think, I said, well, you know, you're already really so talented about what you, you know, one particular person, his name is Edward Tribeck and he's a great, great uh, composer, arranger. And so next thing I asked him, I said, I know I didn't teach you anything because you were already. So he goes, no, no. I remember when you were in class, you said something about when you're in L.A., you got to be so ready. You got to be so prepared. Yeah. And says, I always remember that. I said, really? <laughs> you know, because you never yeah. think people are really. 'Cause they're of course they're young and sometimes they're just kids and Yeah, it's
0: like, are they even listening? Like yeah, do they hear anything I'm saying?
2: <laughs> yeah, they blow you off. But at the uh, end of the day, he said that and he now he's 40 years old.
0: That's so cool.
2: And I was we had dinner about two years ago. We were we were in Santa Monica and we decided to hang out and have dinner. And I just looked at him and I'm going, you know, Edward, I'm so proud of you. You know? Yeah. And he, and he was one of those kids that was unfortunately very when he was there, the level of talent was incredible. Mm-hmm. So there was guitar players there were just, and he knows that they were eating his lunch. They were mm-hmm. just like, and all of a sudden now that, you know, he's the, he's the, the big boy on the block, you know, he's like, yes. he's the one hiring them to come in and say, hey. Uh-huh. you know, so the tables have turned and I told him that I always, I always knew that you would do well, you know, mm-hmm. and I always, you know, cause he was sort of an underdog. So in that case, I see that part of it through that particular institution, which is a higher learning, more right. intense. And then on the school level, I mean, the inner city is just what kids have been able to do to occupy themselves. And maybe mm-hmm. they weren't going to be professional musicians or not going to be, uh, you know, like having being in bands, but it was going to be something to enrich. So I see those kids.
0: Yes.
2: And I still live in their neighborhood. So right now I'm not because my business is getting a little bigger, I higher two of them come oh, in that's and,
0: so
3: cool yeah. yeah
2: yeah one one majored in uh in international business nice so i, I said oh i need you uh-huh. <laughs> and so she comes on mondays and she takes care of certain things she'll do invoices for me and stuff okay. like that so nice. i can see i can see the fact that and you know, i want to keep it in here i don't want to outsource anything i want to keep it in in america mm-hmm. you know and i want to keep everything even though people say oh man take it to korea or china said so no i think most of it needs to be done here yet
1: mm-hmm.
2: and so in the drug rehab stuff it's a little harder to tell you know i know yeah. they enjoy it and i know they they always thank me for being there and showing up and you yeah. know and, and hanging out with them and so i so it's been harder to see you know exactly where what it's done mm-hmm. but sometimes they'll call me they'll call me and say oh I got your number through so-and-so. I said, that's fine. You don't, we can talk now because you, you're out of the program. You're not yeah. here. And so sometimes because there's a lot of things when you deal with rehab through HIPAA, all these laws that, mm-hmm. you know, confidentiality thing. But, you know, when when you're there and uh, many times when I go do these things, I'm tired and I don't, you know, almost don't want to be there. <laughs> Cause I, cause I, not because I don't want to be with them. It's just I'm tired. Yeah. I, and I show <laughs> up. I show up. Yes. Yeah. I show up, and boom. I said, "Oh, this is cool. I just yeah,
0: uh, like I'm supposed to be here. That's so so good.
2: Yeah. So yeah. it works out good. So uh,
0: love that so much. And I'd love to hear you kind of you know have given little bits of the story of your you know Frankenstrings and creating your own oh, yeah your own instruments. I'd love to hear more about that and kind of you know how did it get started and what that process was like.
2: Mainly uh, the funny thing is that once people didn't want to play this instrument, you know, which I love. Because yes. it basically it is like a guitar. If you if you live in the Andes, then you instead of playing guitar, you're playing so you're playing, level, yeah. you're, playing you're using this, and uh, and you can use techniques like on guitar and you can play like it has like a, a pretty little arpeggio or you can strum yeah so it has but it has a different tuning so
0: okay
2: so the kids it had to become guitar you know mm-hmm. and so the guitar part of it was just because it's more accessible stuff on youtube there's guitar right. center, you know all this guitar center stuff and so I switched to guitar but then I started I started with a good group of kids but then all of a sudden it would get less, you know, less kids would get involved mm-hmm. and sometimes. So there's just less support. You know, sometimes parents ah, oh, you know, I don't want you to do that. And yeah, you know, some, sometimes these kids have to work, you know. It's That's just true. A, it's help, just support great, it or... help support their
0: family. Help support
2: their family. Exactly. And then some of the kids, you know, they became fathers really young. I mean, yeah. I, had, I had a handful of that. And they were like all my really good guitar player kids. And they became dads. By the time they were in tenth grade.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, so it just totally changes the lifestyle and yeah. priorities and, and all that. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and then it, it messes up my guitar class. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like what? Why? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I ended up. So the classes start getting smaller at times, and sometimes it would be good, but then I had a, a kid that that uh, didn't want to do uh, guitar anymore, and he was my he was my spark play. He yeah. was just had an attitude. He had a was really great, great attitude, great energy. But next thing I know, he's going like, oh, Mr. And in inner city schools, you're not Mr. Rodriguez. You're a Mr. Got mister. it.
0: Yes. Yes. So I,
2: I was Mr. So, Mr. I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, I want to do the. I said, what? He says, yeah, I want that. And go, oh, you want to play bass? You wanna play bass? Uh-huh. I was, yeah, I want to play bass. So he wanted to do stuff like uh, he wanted to do uh, uh, like. Uh huh. you wanted that sort of heavy thing but I didn't I wasn't going to incorporate bass into my program because technically bass it's a different set of notation it's bass clef and then also it's a different tuning
3: mm-hmm. so uh,
2: all of a sudden I would have to so I said I had a cheap set of low strings on for the guitar and I ended up just doing uh and sort of like started messing with it I was getting pretty close, but then they were just breaking and popping on me. So I talked to a friend of mine in New York mm-hmm. and I said, hey, um, I got this idea. And he's looking at me and trying to figure it out. But uh, what I'm doing is no different. I decided to just make a guitar and put a guitar together that has lower strings, but on a regular scale guitar. Got it. So it's a regular classical guitar, but now it's, it's the size of a typical guitar
0: makes sense
2: normally the contra guitars are big they're like
0: yeah
2: are almost like a bass so it it limited the amount of people that can play it but now I had to focus on more of a string thing I had work work on the gauge what's called the thickness of the string I had to work on the tension of the string Mm -hmm. and then I had to sort of like sometimes reconstruct the the thing they call the saddle which is this part here
1: okay yeah and so I had
2: to deal with that and so so one of my friends from New York said what are you how you're it's just that's sort of really you're wasting your time I said mm-hmm. okay uh I don't know I think uh, so I didn't want to drop it and so I ended up because of that one boy sort of focusing on something that he could play so he he played the first crude type of um I guess prototypes
1: mm-hmm. and so right
2: now this is sort of like more of what people are, are asking and it's just regular guitar mm-hmm. Has that lowness, yeah. it's almost like it's almost like piano, like mm-hmm. the left hand of piano. So I always play this song just because the bass notes, so it has. A beautiful sound. Yeah, the sound is really cool, and it, you can almost do anything. You, you can use a pick, but if you can do like a pop song, so all of a sudden the kids started liking it.
3: Yeah,
2: and, then, and and then I was putting it together, and then I was it was getting better and better. It's still a little crude on some things, and then a friend of mine saw it. Cause I would invite my fellow teachers to my house for cookies. I, I yeah. make, I have somebody make guitar cookies for me
1: Oh.
2: and we just have like, you know, like punch and cokes and it's the end of the year. And then suddenly sort of one of my friends came by and says, what is that? What is that there? And I said, Oh, it's just like something I'm putting together. It's really nothing. He goes, Oh, if you make that better, I would give you a thousand dollars for that. <laughs> oh, nice. it, was, it, it was that kind of thing and going what he goes yeah that's sort of cool Frank and so at the end of the day I started it, it started working out yeah. And next thing I know I since I lived in LA I started talking to my friends I said hey how about if I do this and if I do this would you be interested in coming and checking it out next thing you know a great great studio friend of mine Ramon Stagnado came I exhibited at one of these big events in Los Angeles and he came by and he told you well I asked him, can you please, uh, you know, just let me know. You tell be honest with me. If you don't like it, you tell me. Yeah. I'll tell you. If it's no good, I'll tell you it's no good. Uh Next thing I know, he goes, oh, I like it. It's good. And he's very, he's very particular. And he's Peruvian. So he actually plays chacharango, this little Mm -hmm. instrument. So he played that. But but as soon as I did this, there's people were asking me, because they want to incorporate ukulele into the ensemble. Because that's really popular. The only thing is that ukulele, nothing against ukulele. Believe me, you know, they. it's a great instrument. But in guitar ensembles, again, they have to transpose. They have to change things. You yeah. have to rethink things. And sure enough, I ended up just thinking of the charango. So the charango was the instrument that I started with. And the charango is basically, it's 10 strings, but they're doubled. Okay. You know, so it sounds like a ukulele. It's a G, C. E, A, and E, mm-hmm. and so I ended up, I ended up thinking, okay, let's how can I make this to become a smaller guitar with that pitch? That
0: yeah.
3: High, high
2: sound. So I ended up just sort of doing because I had to scale it down. There's math involved in this craziness. I and bet. Then, and I was and,
0: like, this seems more complicated than it sounds. <laughs>
2: and next thing I know, I ended up doing this one.
0: Ooh.
2: So this is like a, a basically it has. It has nine strings. Okay. So it has a I double the first string, double the second, and I double the third. And then I have a one for the four, one for the five, one for the six. Nice. So it's a nine string instrument. In Nashville, they do they do this to electric 12 strings. They actually they don't they don't put the 12 strings on there. They just double the, the first three strings and okay. they leave the other ones sort of playing. So now it feels like a regular guitar. And you can play it. So if you play a C chord, there it is. That's the. So it, it's a it's a smaller, higher sound. But now it's it's almost like ukulele. So you can go. Uh-huh. So you can do those things. But now you can do the high note. So there's no, you don't have to rethink anything. It's still right.
0: the same
2: the theory same process, and process. The same yeah, theory, the same tuning. You can do after a while. You can you can tune it up however you want to. But it, you can do little guitars. It, it's not a complete guitar. Like you can't do serious repertoire. Maybe you can do stuff like. You can do that kind of stuff. Or you can do like a
3: like
2: a so you can (laughs) you can do little things, you can do little little things, which is sort of cool, but it's now it's a it's I broke up the family of guitar the way violin is violin. This would be the violin, and then the guitar would be sort of like the viola Mm -hmm. and then the low guitar is sort of like the the bass and the cello that's true and it's never been done on guitars they do it with different instruments Mm
1: -hmm. they
2: do it with different instruments so this took me about 10 years while I was doing the inner city programs and while I'm doing the actual drug rehab programs. Wow. So, all of those people were the first people that experienced my craziness. That's so great.
0: <laughs> and it's pretty exciting to see. It sounds like it's really picked up, you know, with oh, yeah. different people and really taken off. Yeah. So, that's super exciting. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I think the pandemic caused that because yeah. when the pandemic happened, since I focused on education and I do all these education programs, presentations, what happened was. Uh, During the pandemic, uh, education was the first to shut down completely. Mm -hmm. Probably more so along with restaurants and other stuff. So a a good studio friend of mine in L.A. said, oh, by the way, Tim Pierce loves your guitars. I said, what? And so once he ended up telling me that, I'm going like, oh, that's sort of cool. I sort of know him. He's He's one of these big, he has these great tutorials. He's a great guitarist. Yeah. And then so I got to meet him. I drove. I drove from Texas to LA. Wow! With a band full of different instruments, same instruments but just different different models, different colors. Mm-hmm. And next thing I know, uh, he loved it. He's like, "This is awesome. This is good." So it's just an offshoot of the, of the guitar family, you know? Right. And I, but I just decided to keep it traditional, keep it standard tuning mm-hmm. and six strings. You know, to, even though they're double Tweety, you know, like even though I doubled them, it's still one E then a b g so it's one two three four five six so Mm
1: -hmm.
2: doing this in rehab which is sort of interesting because sometimes they don't want to play guitar so i don't want to play guitar i don't want to do that you know Mm
3: -hmm. and then i said
2: well i have this little bitty thing and then they look at it what is that so all of a sudden they look at it and they see it and i've engaged them or i sort of like I spark a little interest. Yes. In
0: in- yeah, it creates that, like you said, that interest and in kind of yeah. like, oh, and, and so, curiosity.
2: And on, and on some things, like for the guitar, it's like they don't want to do the chords, but I can see people wanting to go. Uh-huh. You know, that's, oh, man, that's cool. How do you do that? Because it's repetitive. And instead of it being like something you have to, you know, maybe, okay, you got to do it this way. And, oh, no, you know, there's a freedom about it. Because mm-hmm. it, it's it's a very individual thing, but it's also a, a sound. It's a pitch. It's a sound.
0: Yes, it connects maybe more with certain people.
2: And yeah, so yeah. the low connects good. The high connects good. If you want a guitar, here's a regular guitar. Right. <laughs> so I felt really blessed that I get you know, but it just took years. All of it is like bench testing, especially the strings, mm-hmm. the bodies, making sure they can withstand kid abuse.
1: <laughs> yeah
0: and where do you get all the different materials from well
2: the the materials are the, the little instrument is made for me in Bolivia okay at the end of the day all uh, the whole body it's really one it's one shape mm-hmm. you know it's basically what this is all one piece of wood and then it's turned over and then they carve the wood because this is full of wood
1: yeah so they carve
2: it out so it's carved out and then all the wood comes from Peruvian from the Andes probably mm-hmm. from uh Bolivia and Peru are there's a word called naranjillo and that's where really what makes the sound very unique Okay. and so usually it's also very pretty you know there's yeah, a really
0: beautiful woodwork
2: yeah pretty design and then I get them and then all the strings are made here in America okay so even if they make it out there at the end of the day they have to come to my house uh-huh. <laughs> or, no they come to my shop and next thing you know, I'm the one that sets everything up, you know. And I have another person. I have a satellite shop. Uh, They're paste guitars out of Houston, but there's certain things that I do to the to the bridge here, to this little part here,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and that makes everything. But the strings are are part of uh, the strings that I designed through. Okay. Uh, and at the end of the day, I design. I did all the even the strap. Everything is sort of unique to the instrument. Mm-hmm. So instrument Bolivia strings America. United States, New York, you know, and then and then some of the other stuff is uh, parts that I get here, you know, maybe uh, some things I get through a shop, which is funny. They're out of Houston. It's called All Parts. Mm -hmm. And they they provide me all these things for guitars. They're one of the biggest guitar distributors in the world.
0: Really? Wow. I didn't realize that was in Houston.
2: (laughs) They're based out of Houston. It's sort of crazy. And then on the low guitars, I just I get a good luthier that makes them, but they make them in small amounts. So I get it basically about maybe 50 or 60 per year. So mm-hmm. it's not a whole lot. And then I do also sell the strings if people want the strings kind of okay. thing. I mean, it's people can do what they want to. Right now I have a pastor. I mean, because I have studio guys that get them. Yeah. So this, this little guitar here, my little guitar is actually on one of the new Simpsons episodes. Really? Yeah, yeah. So I got to ask you, I got to ask him, ask him which, which episode is it? Yeah, exactly. He probably played like a you know, something, really, uh, something real simple or something, you know, maybe, uh, you know, like, you know, I don't know exactly uh-huh. what he did, but he said, oh yeah, Frank, I just used it for this Simpsons uh, episode. I said, oh, you got to let me know. But the funny thing is that it can be used for all, all kinds of stuff, you know, yeah
0: you never know what people can use it for. That's so
1: fun. And, yeah. and so
2: I, I have a pastor that bought the low guitar, the one that's on Tim Pierce's video, Mm-hmm. And his name is uh Byron Wilmoth, okay, Pastor Wilmoth out in Alabama, just south of Mobile, Alabama. Mm-hmm. So he just received it. He goes, Oh, I love this, I'm gonna use it. And so that's
0: so cool. So, so it's fun. all the cool,
2: yeah. It's gonna be obviously, it's gonna be uh, you know, probably use it in his church and stuff like that, right? So, yeah, it's gonna yeah. be. So, well, yeah. I
0: just love what you're doing. I think that's so much fun. And I love the name Frankenstrings. I was kind of like putting different pieces together, you know, yeah. like Frankenstein, but with the guitarist yeah. stuff.
2: So. Yeah, it's just cutting It's cutting up guitars, you know, uh-huh. and, and the, the name Viela is my mom's name. Oh, okay. So Viela, I don't know if you can see the... Yes. Can you see the Viela? The the mm-hmm. Yeah, the, so Viela is basically, that was my mom's making name. Okay. I could not trademark Rodriguez. Rodriguez, right. it's like so many Rodriguez, you know there's uh-huh. and so at, the, at the end of the day it was easy I so I was a, able to keep it and actually viella sounds like uh the word viuela. and viuela is what guitar was that was the actual initial guitar so it wasn't oh, really? like oh uh, yeah like you say oh well it's considered a lute but in Spanish it was they were called viuelas okay so and it's so spelled- that's
1: a
0: neat like play on words yeah
2: almost yeah so uh-huh. er, my italian friends that that help me out with strings and stuff they're going biella i like that biella because it sounds a little italian you know yeah uh biella is b-i-h-u-e-l-a Viella. okay so it's spelled with an h and minus with a it's with a with a double L. So
0: yeah, a, yeah, that so, makes sense, and I'm glad you pronounced it because I want to make sure I pronounce it right.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's like it's like a Y, Viella, yeah. Okay. yeah, and so and so valella no, Viella, 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 Viella. What very good sweetie. Oh, That's thank you yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: well something that I love to ask you know every guest that comes on the show is is there something on your heart that you want to share with other artists you know musicians dancers writers any form of artist
2: if anything especially when you're doing art and you know in, you know what and what whatever form you know visual or you know music or are you you can't really put all your eggs in one basket,
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You have to be really open to a lot of stuff, even though it might might be in your comfort zone. You might feel like, oh, "I don't really want to do that," mm-hmm. you know. But you realize that whatever comes, your direction, whether you believe it or not, comes to you for a reason. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it, and it's very interesting. And then uh, you know, to but to just depend on one thing or one venue or one place. I was talking to my daughter earlier because I was sort of nervous about doing this stuff yeah. and so I asked her uh she said, well just just being dad you you're you, you always talk so you can you'll be able to get this so you
0: this. got this yeah and you
2: got this <laughs> so uh one of the things was if you just stay in one area and this that's your little area then how do you really experience other stuff you know mm-hmm. how do you you know if you're like just doing r&b music all the time and that's your niche there yeah. uh and that's fine and that's good but There'll be a time when that you can't do that anymore mm-hmm. or, or, or that artist is not doing that anymore. Or, you know, it's the same. And I always see it too, even in church where, where musicians get all, you know, there's all these big churches that feel like, oh, you know, we have this great music and great programs mm-hmm. and great sound system or whatever. And at the end of the day, there's just this group of people that just stay there. And you yeah. really need to always venture out into your community, wherever mm-hmm. you're from. Because I always had a hard time when people were would want to pay me to, to do stuff like that. Yeah. Cause, you know, because as Catholics, we just you know they don't pay you for <laughs> You just go in there, and uh, it's a this is
0: service, you know. Yeah, you it's are a serving The church, yeah. <laughs>
2: it's a it's a the church of the poor, you know. Uh, a- yeah. And so next thing I know, um, there's that little element where you start just to branch out, and yeah. so. But if as an artist, as a musician, you want to always keep it all open. Mm-hmm. basically it's you got to keep you know like they say keep lots of irons in the fire
1: because mm-hmm. there
2: is like you know like look right now all the performing musicians it's been tough
0: it's been a really know. tough year it,
2: it's been tough for all the performing i see you do stuff online and of course i transitioned a long time ago because i'm older i'm 62 I'm i wouldn't believe
0: that though you know if you didn't
2: i'm 62 awesome. so i've uh, but i i learned that when i was in los angeles that if you don't really diversify and
1: mm-hmm. really
2: keep a lot of things open, then uh, it's really tough, you know, because mm-hmm. yeah. the profession is tough. The arts is tough and you just got to, you know, you can't say no. Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. You know, mm-hmm. you, you agree. You, can you write? Yeah. I can, I can arrange. I can do anything, you know, right. violin. Yeah. I played violin before. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. so. Oh, that's so good. That's great. Great wisdom though. And just, probably in all areas of life, especially in the arts,
2: you got to be ready for change. Mm-hmm. And you got to, you that's know, good. that's, a, that's a big part of it. There is right now, especially and everybody says pretty much everything that's happening. Now, it's things that were going to happen anyway, you mm-hmm. know,
0: it's just kind of happening faster, probably. Because and that, of,
2: yeah, it's yeah. almost like 10 years before it should have happened.
0: Right? Exactly. We're all kind of being forced into it. But the good thing yeah. with artists, I think, a lot of times we're used to that creative problem solving, you know, and kind of having to step out of the comfort zone. So I think that's hopefully been helpful for people, you know, to adapt right now.
2: Yeah, for me, it threw me out there to hurry up and and uh, and you know, even though like to to be in LA, that's something I'm I'm always there in the beginning of the year, so mm-hmm. that's not a big deal. But now I was going because now my business depended on it. Yeah. So, it, but it was the pandemic that sort of made me do that. And mm-hmm. and thanks to Tim. I mean, Tim's he has his view, his subscriptions, probably about 300,000 subscribers. That's to it.
0: amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then,
2: and so I there was like, you know, I think close to 30,000 views of my videos and wow. stuff. And then I got a lot of... So at the end of the year, it, was, it got a very tough. I'm still shipping things out right now. Yeah. They're in a way they're sort of custom. So it takes a little bit, not a whole lot of time turnovers about two weeks and stuff okay. when people that's
0: pretty good yeah Yeah,
2: that's pretty good so i just got to make sure everything's right the hardest stuff was shipping in europe you know mm. sh- shipping overseas the yeah. exporting stuff was tough so
0: yeah that's a whole nother world to figure out
2: <laughs> yeah so.
0: nice well just for a fun question here at the end what is one of your favorite things right now
2: one of my favorite things right now probably the rehab stuff yeah probably doing that i mean you know in that situation where i'm dealing with you know, and I have to say patience because they're patients, and I, I go in there, yeah. I'm, I'm hired technically through Memorial Herman. Mm-hmm. but I'm doing another one in Great Oaks, which is out in Egypt, Texas, so I do okay. that one too, I think when I'm there, I sort of see my kids,
0: mm, yeah, you know. yeah, it's like your heart, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, I see my son, I see the eyes, uh, sometimes they, they come in with such anger, they're just so mad, and yeah. then I look at them, and then I, I, you know, there's some, some many times there's not much you can say
1: mm-hmm.
2: and don't say, how are you, are you all right? Everything good? And sometimes they'll answer you or, but it's sort of nice because I think they know you're there and you're there for them. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I've had somebody who didn't ever engage on anything. He wasn't part of anything that, our, that the class, they didn't even pick up an instrument. But when he was leaving and being discharged, he goes, Oh, I want to thank you for being here. Wow. And in the, the back of my head, I'm thinking, Well, you never did anything <laughs> with us. But yeah. it was the fact that, and then he said, No, because I always knew you were here.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's powerful.
2: And that's very powerful. Can you think about just how, you know, I had divorced like years ago, like in 96. Mm-hmm. And then once I started teaching, which I haven't really said this much, but my students sort of became like my kids Yeah, because I, I miss my kids so much. And then when they started going through their stuff, I had to let them know that I was always there.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'll always be here.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I mean, I'm here. I know me and mom are not together anymore. And I said, but I'm here. What, you know, do you, what do you need? Or.
0: That's so, so powerful. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And so, and then I'll, I'll go, I'll go. My, my middle daughter's in Yuma now. She's 31 years old. Yeah. And she's she's married to a jet pilot. So oh, he's, fun. He's stationed in Yuma. And so I'm gonna go see him. And and she says, Yeah, Dad, I, I can you come by? Can you come a little earlier?
3: Because
2: Teddy's leaving. I said, I'm there. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yes. Yeah, that's, so was that the was that a good answer, young yes,
0: lady? Those are some great favorite things.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, this
0: cool. has been so much fun and so awesome to get to connect with you. And I definitely will link to the website. If you want to share just like the website address real quick so people can, you know, search it. And I'll definitely link to.
2: Yeah, the, the website is frankenstrings.com. Cool. So that's basically it. And you know, it's there's ways to contact me on on my website. And there's like a submission thing, but there's my phone number and people can just call me, you know, Yeah. especially uh, with artists. I mean, I, I talk to artists all over the, all over the country, all over the world now, which is sort of crazy. That is so cool. Yeah. So crazy, so, but awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. If they have WhatsApp, let me know. Cause I'll call you through WhatsApp. Nice. And that's sort of, it's sort of cool. Cause it's just, it's a big connection. And sometimes with actual musicians and people that are Doing production, it's not a huge, com- I mean, it is a big community. A lot of people do it, especially now with,
1: mm-hmm.
2: with the pandemic. And uh, I guess you know, there's just everybody's connected now, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, it's it's really changed. So it's it's sort of good though, because I mean, and people need to talk to me, oh, yeah, I saw you on that video and you played a piece. You know, they tell me, I said, Really?
0: Because
3: yeah.
2: you know, lots of times people will just ask me to play stuff and I don't practice it or I don't,
0: right? You're just like, Oh, yeah. Wow.
2: Okay, well let me see. What can I do here? Oh uh-huh. and, uh,
0: and it just comes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. But it I always like sharing for sure, you know. Yeah. So if anybody has any questions or mm-hmm. you know
0: that sounds good.
2: Yeah, not that I have all the answers, but I might be. <laughs> <laughs> at least
0: can listen and talk and share yeah, what you do I,
2: know. I'll I'll listen for sure. Uh
0: huh. Well, so. thank you so much. This has been such a such a privilege to get to spend this time oh, with you. Oh, thank
2: you, sweetie. Yeah.
0: Had so much fun getting to hang out with Frank. Be sure to check out his website, frankinstrings.com, or connect with him on Facebook. You can find all the links, the full show notes, and additional resources on our website, creativeimpactpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. The music for the show was produced by Michael Cash. I'd be so grateful if you'd share the show with a friend, check out our Patreon community, and I'll see you next week.